another community is in disbelief, shocked by devastating violence. We've come to the conclusion this is just absolutely pure evil. This has been a day we've seen the worst in humanity. Tomorrow is going to bring out the best in humanity as we come together to move forward from this unspeakable tragedy. You're listening to Darkest America and the Way Out. This is a Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. In this particular series, we're going to highlight some of the problems facing our country. And we're going to discuss the ultimate solutions. Get ready for Darkest America and the Way Out from lordsarmy.org. This is a listener-supported podcast. Warning. Part of today's episode may not be appropriate for young listeners. I want you to imagine an alcoholic. Picture this person in your head. I'm willing to bet that the person you have in your head is not a small 16-year-old white female from a middle-class neighborhood. However, the reality is that according to a recent study by the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, nearly a third of individuals under 15 are drinkers of alcohol. That's a third. That number jumps up to over half of individuals at 18. And for underage drinkers over 18, that number jumps up to a whopping 86.3%. That is a tremendous amount of drinking among teenagers, an act which, of course, is illegal in the United States. It gets worse. We're not just talking about one or two drinks here. That same study found that 26.45%, that's more than one out of every four individuals, regularly gets blackout drunk. Blackout drunk is when you are so inebriated that your brain no longer stores memory. I'm not a teetotaler. Drinking alcohol is all over scripture, and the argument that wine, for example, was not alcoholic in those days is just false. If wine in biblical times was not alcoholic, then why are we told not to get drunk from it? At the wedding wedding in Cana, why did one guest say that typically the best wine is served first and then the worst wine at the end? Well, he said that because most people are too drunk at the end of a marriage celebration in those days to notice the difference. So the Bible is clear that alcohol is not something that is absolutely always strictly forbidden. However... Getting drunk is clearly forbidden. We are to be sober-minded, and you cannot do that if you're intoxicated. Now back to underage drinkers. For one thing, they are violating federal law, which is obviously sinful. But they are also regularly getting blackout drunk. That's dangerous. This culture of binge drinking is absolutely sinful, and it's absolutely dangerous. 
let's talk about something as horrible as the crime of rape. According to that same study, the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, 75% of rapists are intoxicated at the time of assault. Furthermore, 79% of rape victims are intoxicated at the time of an assault. So three-fourths of rapists are drunk, and eight out of ten victims are drunk at the time of an assault. Now, we should never blame victims. The perpetrators of rape are the ones harming another person. They are the only ones at fault in a criminal way. However, the numbers are clear. Binge drinking and the binge drinking culture fosters and facilitates a dangerous environment. Alcohol can lead to serious problems. I'd like to introduce you to someone. My name is Haley. Um, I am a modern day housewife. I am a recovered uh, alcoholic and drug addict. Um, I'm 28. Over 10 years of my life I spent being a raging alcoholic. Sadly, a 16-year-old alcoholic is all too common in our country. That's true even of little girls like Haley, ones that did regularly go to church. I was not born into a Christian home. My mother was not married. Uh, I didn't grow up with a father. She had three children. Um, and she was an atheist. Basically, what happened was growing up, my sisters and I didn't know anything about God. But fortunately for us, there was actually um, a woman that lived a couple of houses over from me that grew up, well, that had a daughter uh, about my age. Um, and so we grew up being best friends. And uh, her mother was the lady that would clean um, her local church on Saturdays. So even though my mother didn't believe in God, she allowed this lady to take me to service. Mm. So I, I did kind of grow up in a church, but um, I, I want to say it was more of a, you know, you know, there's Christians that always go to church, but they don't really live a Christian lifestyle. They just go just to look good for other people. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but kid version, if that makes sense. Like I just, sure. I went to church, but it wasn't, it didn't affect me. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, so that was that my mom let me choose my own faith, even though she didn't believe it. Um, but right. so fast forward a couple of years, uh, into adulthood, uh, Sometimes we can make the mistake of assuming that people in attendance at a church service are all saved. You may hear a story like Haley's and think that this lady's impact on her was in vain. However, good works done in faith and service to God never return void. We just don't always get the benefit of seeing the full story. The lady that cleaned the church was absolutely doing a good work by bringing Haley and her sisters to church. An important work. However, eventually Haley's rebellious attitudes led her to drink more and more. Her eventual alcoholism became such a problem 
that it impacted her long-term relationship. He said that he couldn't be with me if I continued to drink. Um, and that he didn't, he didn't think he could associate with me, which was a total wake up call. I want to say that was, it was, uh, like cold, hard reality. Like I, you know, here I am just, just being ridiculous, rebellion against God, knowing that I need to, to clean up my act and having no power to do so. Um, and he broke up with me. I was going to kill myself. You see, her boyfriend ultimately had to make a hard choice. This young man knew that her being drunk all the time was a problem, and he had to decide whether or not to continue to start a life with someone in a situation like that. This is a perfectly legitimate worry. At the same time, for Haley, it was devastating. Her entire world was turned upside down. A young girl that clearly already had emotional issues has just lost her stable, long-term relationship. Her boyfriend was likely one of the most pure forms of joy she even had in her life at this point. So, she attempts suicide as a cry for help. But in Florida... There is the Florida Mental Health Act of 1971, commonly known as the Baker Act. This law allows the involuntary institutionalization and examination of an individual who has attempted suicide. Laws like the Baker Act are put in place to help people like Haley. It's intended to keep her from being a danger to herself and others. However, something as invasive as forced institutionalization has unintended consequences. And in this case, it was the start of a downward spiral for the life of Haley. You see, when a young, rebellious girl who has just lost, lost everything she cares about ends up in a mental institution... It's not surprising that she met the wrong man while in there. The reality is that there are always those who are willing to take advantage of individuals who are most in need of our help. This man did exactly that. At this point in Haley's life, she has nothing. She meets a man that is being released roughly the same time as she is. And unsurprisingly, she makes a poor decision. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to take this total stranger that I had no idea who he was um, and go to New Orleans and just do, just live in rebellion. I guess that's the best way to put it. Right. Um, he had other plans. He told me he was going to go to New Orleans, but in reality, he was actually trying to bring me up to a small town in Mississippi called Meridian to go and sell me for methamphetamines. And that is what he did. Haley, at this point, has found her, herself a victim of sex trafficking. A life in the sex trafficking world is a life of self-hatred and self-destruction. 
you're surrounded by people who are equally self-destructive. And so there's no shortage of things like drugs. A young, rebellious, 16-year-old, middle-class white girl starts drinking alcohol to show her mild, rebellious side. That habit grew to the point of consuming her, to the point that it cost her a life with someone she loved. In the hurt of that loss, she made a poor decision to trust another man, and now she's in the middle of a new city, in a new state, and what began as mild teenage rebellion has turned into a life of constant abuse and constant drugs. But what about her spiritual state at this point? While she grew up with a non-believing mother, she did not grow up without any church experience. Sadly, though, when someone only has a little bit of spiritual knowledge, those religious moments can actually hurt more than help. In Haley's case, because she did believe in a higher power, that higher power was morphed and twisted into a vehicle for justifying what was happening to her. We must not forget that the answer to Haley's situation is not, quote, religion, end quote. And, uh, you know, me having already spiritual things happen to me in my life where God was proving to me that he was real, I was especially enhanced by drugs. I was always looking for uh, truth in things. You know, like, okay, well, this has to be significant. 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 Sure. Um, And so it it really felt like to me that I was supposed to be with that guy. But, um, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, things got really dark, uh, you know, And like, just, I was always around a bunch of people that I didn't know. Um, And they were always constantly feeding me drugs, more and more drugs and, you know, making me out so that I was crazy. And, you know, once, once you're on enough drugs, it's said that you never come back to who you really are. And I felt like that's what those people were trying to do to me. Just make me completely crack and lose myself. Her religion at this point was actually keeping her in this horrific situation. This is why theology is so important. This is why the gospel is so important. Religion, air quote, saves no one. Every single person has a worldview, a religion, a way of seeing the world around them. As Christians, we know that there is only one true worldview— which is to view life through the gospel of Christ as revealed in Scripture. It's not surprising that people make bad decisions. If you were given a bad roadmap, we should expect you to make wrong turns. This is why discipleship is such an important part of our Christian walk. We can't just be satisfied because someone says the right phrase or uses Christianese. We have to sit down with the person 
make sure they do understand the gospel. Make sure they do understand how to read the Bible, and so on. So Haley, right now in this story, is at a low point. But help came for her. Normally we don't think of help coming in the form of an arrest, an imprisonment, but that's exactly what our justice system is intended to do. We won't get into how our criminal justice system often mistakes punishment for rehabilitation. But nevertheless, God used Haley's prison time for good. I was in jail for seven months. Um, and uh, there was obviously a bunch of other ladies that were with me. Um, and uh, I wouldn't say every Saturday, but most Saturdays. Um, there was actually a crew of women that would be from the local church that would come in and meet with us. I actually found out that one of the churches, if you wrote them, would give you your own copy of something called the Life Recovery Bible. So I wrote them um, and they gave me they gave me a free copy of it and I sat down and I started to read. Uh, I was reading um, out of our daily bread, you know, uh, at the top of the, the thing where it would say, um, daily reading, uh, you know, like, uh, you read out of Acts and then, you know, your, uh, yep. the Old Testament. So I started doing that where I would read just daily. I'd read a little bit out of the Old Testament, a little bit out of the New Testament. I'd read that every day. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I just, I just got so interested in it that I couldn't stop you know uh, I would start reading three days at a time four days at a time five days at a time and I'd just sit there and I'd lose track and so what I did was eventually I stopped doing that and I went to the I went to the beginning I went to Genesis and I know they say that you shouldn't do this um I went to Genesis I started reading I just read the whole thing when Christians take action People are saved. Yes, God and his sovereignty is the one who saves us. But that does not mean that we as Christians have a duty to live a life that actually treats the gospel as real. It means that we must do that. We must live as though the gospel is real. Notice the role of active Christian in Haley's life at this point. You have the lady who who would clean the church that took Haley and her sisters to church each week. You have a group of Christians doing prison ministry that present the gospel to her on a regular basis. And you have a ministry that reaches out to her that is willing to send her a free Bible. Not one person of those individuals would be able to look at her and claim credit. Likely, none of them knew what fruit was ultimately born from their work. But God used each of their contribution to transform a life forever. After pouring herself into a love and study of the Bible, God changed Haley's heart. She became a born-again Christian, a new creation, an object of God's love and grace. She responded to the gospel. 
she began to disciple her fellow prison mates, and she became sober. Once freed from sin, by the grace of God, she was able to overcome the abuses of her past. She was able to overcome drug addiction. She was able to overcome alcoholism. And, having ever overcome those things, she was reunited with a positive influence from the past. The man that had to distance himself from her because of her alcoholism was there to help her get back on her feet. God has, has really just completely saved me over and over and over. And I just, I'm, I'm shaking right now. I'm sorry. I'm so- God really is my life. Um, I, like I said, I just celebrated my one year sober. Um, I have been drinking since I was 16. So I literally have never been sober a day in my life until now. Well, in my adult life. So um, right. I, I am with the man that, um, you know, all of this before all of this even happened and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're together. We're very happy. We're, 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 living humbly. And now Haley spends her time volunteering for her local church. She's the lady that cleans it. When we as Christians take action, God will use the gospel of Christ to change lives. I say this because I love and care about you. As a listener, I pray for you often. I want what's best for you. If you are not a Christian, then know that there is hope for you. Do not hesitate to reach out to us. If you are a Christian, then you know that there is someone in your life and around you that needs your help. Do not disobey your Lord's command. Do not fail to seek to help those around you. They need you. Thank you for listening. You can listen to my full interview with Haley on our YouTube page, which you can access through lordsarmy.org. I pray that this podcast has been a blessing to you so that you may be a blessing to others. Thank you. This concludes this particular dispatch from the front lines of the Lord's Army. If you want more information or content, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Apply what you have learned in this episode. Remember, you do not become a great man or woman in Christ without taking action. One easy way you can help spread the gospel right now is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, just by liking us and leaving us a review, you can have a massive impact in how many people we reach. Go out there. Take action. Join the battle. Lordsarmy.org.